Good morning. For those of you who don't know, I'm Pastor Wheezy. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Summit Ridge, and I'm here to wish you a very blessed new year. I know I'm not the first one to say this, but thank God 2020 is over. Finally, we're into 2021 and we can get back to normal, right? Right? Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of normal, how about New Year's resolutions? I don't know about you, but I've decided this year I'm going to skip the losing weight and getting exercise resolutions because I have a history with those and it's getting a little boring, frankly. I have a New Year's want, though. I want to really get close to God this year. A lot of you already know about Brother Lawrence, who was a 17th century monk. And Brother Lawrence got close to God in a way that was just absolutely astounding. He wrote letters about his experiences with God to a friend, and the friend put them together into a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence practiced experiencing God's presence, and he got to where he really was always aware of God during his whole life. Whatever he was doing, he was aware of God's presence with him and drew all of his joy and peace and patience and courage from that awareness. And I want that. I really want it. I have all the theological belief in God that I need. And I want to change that to the lived reality of being with God. I have a little of that. I want so much more. I want a breakthrough. I want a breakthrough into the presence of God that just shakes all of my stuff out of that relationship. I want it. But mostly, I just want it. Mostly, I don't have it. Mostly, I have my stuff instead. I have my thoughts My tasks, my job, my peeps, my opinions, my YouTube, my cats. And sometimes, every once in a while, God reaches through my stuff and touches my heart and I fall in love all over again. And an hour later, I go on about my business. It reminds me of that wonderful parable that Jesus told about a guy who was working in a field that belonged to someone else. And while he was working in that field, he found a buried treasure and he was just overcome with joy. And he ran straight home and forgot all about it. It's a great parable. And it really strikes me in the heart. Because, see, I have this weird, sick, strange fantasy that if things were to get just irreversibly bad, if things really went down the toilet, I would finally be able to focus my heart and soul on God. I have this idea that the breakthrough with God will come when all my stuff is burned away and I have nothing left to lose and no possible hope of anything approaching normal ever happening again. 2021 could be my year. Let's think about a worst case scenario. Imagine turning on the news and this is what you get. In COVID news this year, the new mutant is much more contagious and more lethal. And vaccines are not much help. They can't keep up with the mutations. And hardly anybody wants to take them. 
the normal medical and hospital care is seriously overwhelmed. Hardly be able to get any kind of care at all because it's just all COVID. Lockdowns are becoming more strict and more strictly enforced, so you're going to be home, like it or not. In environmental news, folks, global warming is a little bit. In environmental news, folks, global warming is escalating rapidly. Hurricanes and typhoons are picking up strength. They're increasing in number and severity. And destruction in intercoastal cities all around the world is becoming really bad. Also, it's hotter and drier than ever before. Wildfires and droughts are spreading around the world, and we're starting to see biblical-style famines everywhere. In economic news, some of the big businesses are starting to fail now, not just little ones. Unemployment is skyrocketing. Government assistance can't begin to keep up. And social news, desperate people are doing desperate things. Protests are becoming more violent, more frantic. Civil wars in poor countries and rumors of civil wars even here at home. We're seeing refugee migrations crossing borders willy-nilly and people finding out that when they get there, it's just like where they left. That would be a worst-case scenario. And that would require, require a heroic response from people. We'd have the choice. We could either go get in a cave somewhere and pull a rock in after us, or we would have to deal with the situation. I marvel at the way some people in the past have found the greatness of God and been able to latch on to him and do his work when they're facing truly impossible situations. And I want the life with God that they had. I think about Corey Ten Boom in World War II, an ordinary woman with an ordinary family in an ordinary town, and she and all of her family wind up in concentration camps. She loses everybody. They all die. And she's left to be able to spread the word of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. And she does it. I think about Martin Luther King facing Jim Crow South. We'll be fine if you keep a smile on your face and your head down, but it's become intolerable. It can't be faced. It can't be smiled at anymore. And he begins to push back. But somehow he's able to hold on to God in such a way that he can push back without violence, without hatred, just with truth and love. I think about Paul Rusesabagunga, sorry about that, Paul, when he was facing the Rwandan genocide. Crazy civil war. He has no help. He has his church, he has God, but he has a hotel full of refugees, no help from the outside, no encouragement, no nothing. Nothing but his faith in God and his wit and intelligence to save them. And he manages to save over a thousand people. Well, folks, this could be a year that requires heroes. You and I could have to step up. It could be a year that joins us to God in a way that we only ever just pray about. This could be a year that gives us the spiritual power to do good that we thought was only the province of superheroes.
I have a really strange, weird idea, and you may not be able to keep up with this at all, but just imagine in a weird, strange way that it would be kind of a relief if God were to just start this year by saying to us, this is going to be a year from hell. It's going to make you long for 2020. At a minimum, you're going to come out of this year needing stitches. This year is going to take everything you have and wear you down to a bloody stump. Lots of people that you love and care about and work with and count on are going to die and you might be one of them. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but persevere in loving bravely, generously, completely, no matter what happens. Hold tight to me. I'll keep your heart safe in my heart. Could this year, if it gets really bad, be my one and only chance to get that close relationship with God the way I've always wanted? Stripped of all my stuff, nothing to hope for, nothing to lose, but everything to gain? Well, that's probably not what's going to happen. I went, on, I went on Google and I started to do some research about what the experts think is probably going to happen this year, what it's probably going to be like. So back to the newsroom. In COVID news, the vaccine rollout is happening more slowly than anticipated. Restrictions on public gatherings are likely to be loosened up for economic reasons. Masking is going to continue to be haphazard. COVID is mutating. It's more contagious. It's affecting younger, healthier people. So it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Medical personnel and hospitals are going to continue to struggle, and medical care for non-COVID-related illnesses is going to be restricted somewhat. But mid to late summer-ish containment will become more or less handled. And COVID will be sort of just something that will always be with us, but it won't be a crisis. Local governments will try to walk that difficult line between controlling the disease and salvaging what's left of the economy. Companies will continue to struggle, but they'll adapt. People will continue to lose their jobs and they'll learn how to do new jobs. Unemployment will ease a little bit, but it'll always be a problem because in the next decade, about half of the jobs we do now are going to become obsolete. We're going to have to change and do new jobs. Ideological divides are going to continue. Washington is likely to continue fighting with itself more than it actually gets its job done. The private sector is going to come up with some solutions and begin to enact them. Environmentally, global warming will continue to get worse. Storms will continue to get worse and more numerous. Droughts and wildfires will continue to get worse. And, you know, that's probably going to continue to escalate for at least a decade, no matter what we do. But we are going to do stuff. We are going to start addressing it and handling it. And after about a decade, we'll begin to see the progress. We'll see the planet begin to heal. Education and child care are going to continue to tax the ingenuity, creativity, and stamina of teachers and children alike. Kids are going to continue to struggle with being in and out of class, back and forth, social interactions curtailed. Uh, 
protests may become less peaceful. Americans may be even more sharply divided over nearly every possible cause. And we may or may not begin to heal from that and become tired of being divided and begin to reach out together and work together. So what's most likely to happen this year is that some things will get worse. Some things will get better. Most things will just get really different. And something approaching quasi-normalcy will begin to happen around late summer. Does that mean that I'm going to lose my chance with 2021, my chance to really get deep with God? Well, okay, it's not the apocalypse, but there's still plenty of hardship and sacrifice to work with in 2021. We still have plenty of reason to reach out to God like never before. Some of you have already been going through that. Some of you have already had to step up as heroes. Some of you have already suffered losses. I know you wouldn't choose that path again, but I also know that if you have reached out to God in those turmoils, you wouldn't change the relationship and the grip that you've got on him now for what you had before. And no matter what, we can't escape the fact that these are tough times. So what is God up to? Why does God let tough times happen? Let's look at Romans 8, 28 to 29. Here's what it says. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, let me just jump in here and say, don't worry about the words foreknew and predestined. All that means is that if you want God, that means he's calling you and he decided ahead of time to call you. He knows who you are. What I want to focus on is that the first sentence of that verse tends to get used in worrisome times sort of out of context. People tend to say God uses all things together for good as if it meant God won't let anything bad happen to you. Everything's going to work out. Don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Which, in a way, is real similar to that extremely non-biblical platitude. God never lets anything happen to us more than we can handle. Excuse me? God specializes in giving us more than we can handle. He doesn't want us to depend on our ability to handle a situation. He wants us to handle him, tighten our grip on him, walk with him like little children, walk with the adult they depend on. And the path is one we know. Trust God, love people, no matter what. In order to do that, in order to really trust God and grip onto him instead of our own capabilities, we have to really get it in a cellular level that God is good. God is good. It can be hard to really completely believe that because our brains are hardwired to think that survival is good, that non-suffering is what is good. But think about it. What does survival mean if that's all there is? 
If I'm just a chimp wearing clothes, if I'm just a sack of meat carrying some jeans that want to get spread around, what really is the point and good of surviving? You know, so I live to 110, so what? What, what difference does that make? So I'm born in America and I don't have to suffer much, so what? A lot of the popular atheists that are out there right now and talk about how Christians, they think, just use God as sort of salt and sugar to smear over the existential angst of the fact that there's no meaning in life, there's no purpose, there's just what happens, happens. Well, if survival is what is good, then they're probably right. We're just kind of smearing God over bare naked survival to make it a little more bearable. But we know, we believe, that God is good. That our lives have meaning in Him. Purpose in Him. If not suffering is the way we define good, then we're bound to distrust God. Because suffering absolutely happens. And since suffering happens, either God is not all-powerful and can't protect us, or God is not all-good and doesn't really care about whether we suffer or not. But he is all-powerful, and he is all-good. 1 John 1.5 says, This is the message that we have heard from Jesus and declare to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So, what is hardship for then? Let's go back to the quote in Romans and look at the second half, the important half. It says that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's how God defines good. That's what God is up to in this world. Shaping us to be like Jesus. Think about what Jesus is like. Think about the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. That constant connection. That never-ending awareness of permanent, perfect love. That ability to love whoever he comes across in any circumstance really well. That's what God is using hardship to shape in us. Our hardship must be benefit. It's character formation. Good old character formation, folks. This life is boot camp. That's what it is. Disasters and catastrophe reveals our faith in God to us. It shows us what our faith is really like. When the chips are down, it shows us what's in our heart towards God. And catastrophe and disaster gets us to call out for God and reach for God deeply, truly, honestly, without our stuff. Disaster and catastrophe also gives us training. It toughens our love for our neighbor and develops stamina. Courage, resilience. 
Remember 9-11 and Katrina? Do you remember how good it felt when the whole nation stood up and just loved on them? We couldn't give enough. We couldn't do enough. We couldn't pray enough for them. Remember how wonderful that felt? It was wonderful, but it was also kind of easy in a way. What about the third time that you have to stand up and be generous and brave and long-lasting? What about the twelfth time? What about the twenty-third time? What about when your resources are tapped out? When you have to take care of someone who's not going to get better? When you have to keep plowing ahead with a job that is going to continue to be difficult, probably more difficult for a long time? What about when people are keep depending on you and keep depending on you and keep depending on you and they're doing the best they can, they're not being lamos? That kind of thing is what boot camp is all about. Because we are called to love no matter what. We are called to trust God in every circumstance. Catastrophe and disaster is what helps us to get real with God and makes room for God to get real with us. Here's a wonderful quote I found that I really love. It says, Over time, as the Spirit humbles us under God's mighty hand, our plea for changed circumstances begins to lessen and our plea for a changed heart begins to increase. And that's how God can act. So, 2021 might be a toilet of a year, or it might be a kind of more or less semi-normal-ish kind of year. But God can continue to reveal our hearts to us and strengthen and toughen and grow up our love to us, even in normal times. It is harder, though. It's more difficult to pay attention to God and reach out to God and be absolutely honest with God in the midst of the distraction of the daily grind. Getting to work, taking care of the pets, tending to the kids, watching YouTube. It's hard to pay attention to God in normal times. Here's the thing. Brother Lawrence, remember Brother Lawrence? We started with Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence spent his entire adult life in a monastery washing dishes. He didn't have catastrophes or disasters. He was safe and dry the whole time. Had a productive job to do and did it. He didn't have anything at all to prompt him to reach out to God except for his desire to be close with God the way Jesus was close with God. That's all he had going for him. So he had to discipline himself. He had to constantly remind himself to pay attention to God, to notice God, to be with God all day, every day. And he failed at it a lot. If you read the book and you look through his letters, he talks a lot about how hard it was to get himself over the hump of remembering God. And just in the daily grind of a normal life. And he did get there. After a lot of practice, he got to where that was his normal state of being. 
to be with God, to be soaking in the permanent, wonderful, perfect love of God all the time, to have God's guidance and inspiration for whatever decision he needed to make, and to be able to share that with the people around him and through his letters. So I want to wrap up with this. If you've never read Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, I really want to encourage you to pick it up and spend some time in it this year. And if you feel prompted, do what Brother Lawrence did. That's what I'm going to be doing this year. And I know a lot of you have read it or have at least been exposed to it. Pick it up again. I really want to encourage you to join me in this and let us use the turmoil and the hardship that this year is bound to bring to push us closer to God so that we can come out of this year in whatever shape we're in, being closer, being better, wanting to not trade anything for what we've gained. Thanks for joining me. Lord, we just thank you so much that you are always with us, that you've come, that you remain, that you lift us up and hold us. Bless you all. Have a blessed new year.